Baruch Atah Adonai, Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kichanu B'Mitzvotah V'Tzivanu, La'asok B'Divrei Torah, Ve'ha'arevna Adonai, Eloheinu Et Divrei Torateka, Be'finu Ufiyamka B'Tisrael, Ve'niye Anaknu, Ve'zeetzeinu, Ve'zeetzei Amka B'Tisrael, Kulanu Yodea Shemeka, Ve'lomde Torateka Lishma. Baruch Atah Adonai, Hamlame Torah Le'amo Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please send Mashiach now. I'd like to welcome you to the Achare Mot Kedoshim RPM, the Redemption Please Mashiach series uh, for the Sefer, the book of Vayikra, commonly known as Leviticus. I am Shummerman, and I am super excited with everything that I get to share. So Bezrat Tashem. This will be helpful and illuminating information for us as we continue forth in the word of Hashem. So last podcast did something real crazy where I was trying to talk about the connection of Yom Kippur and Pesach because we just got done celebrating the Yom Tov of Pesach and the week of unleavened bread with the festival of first fruits included. And now we're counting the Omer to connect the eighth day of this uh, momentous occasion, which is Shavuot. So the eighth day of our celebration of being delivered from Egypt is the actual goal and the fulfillment of why we were delivered from Egypt. Like written in the letters to the Galatians that it is for freedom that Mashiach set us free. So Hashem has the end game for us of Avengers. The end game for us is to get to the mountain and receive the Torah and begin to worship Hashem and enter into redemption for the world. Because when we truly grab a hold of the Torah, when we truly live in the Torah, we are revealing the redemption in the world. And it's only a matter of time before that tips the ultimate scale to bring us out of exile completely. But in the meantime, we're getting a little bit of it And as we fight and go through our daily struggles and battles of the week, for six days you shall labor, and on the seventh day you shall rest. That's that's the whole pattern that we're in. And on that Shabbat, we're going to experience, and we do experience, one sixtieth of the world to come. So right now, the closest thing that we can get to redemption being revealed in the world is the Shabbat. But until then... You know, that's that's what we have, you know. And so this Torah portion, Akari Mot and Kedoshim, these two Torah portions we get this week are pointing us to that. So I just want to go back over again. Uh, this was brought down by G. Shekel Shlita. This is Gadai of Beth Yisrael over in India. And he was citing from the Zohar Shemot section 2, page 40, uh, section B. And the the point of bringing this source down is to let us know that the Day of Atonement and the Day of Redemption are connected. To really come alongside of what we already know from the accounts of the Gospels that the Messiah gave us the Redemption Lamb and the Atonement Goat through his offering. So, Zohar Shemot, Section 2, 40b says, also on the 10th day of this month, of this seventh month, there shall be an atonement, Vayikra, 
23, verse 27, Leviticus 23, 27, with the words, Slika, <clears throat> with the words in the 10th day of this month. So you take Vayikra 23, verse 27, and put it with the same phrase, the 10th day of this month in, in Shemot, which is Exodus chapter 12, verse 3. So Leviticus 23, 27 and Exodus 12, verse 3. Those are showing us how the, the former rain and the latter rains are together in the first month. So when we're thinking about Pesach, we're also thinking about Yom Kippur. So it says this is used in regard to the Pesach lamb for on the 10th day is dependent on the other. So in other words, one of the other thoughts, this is brought down by the amazing Chazan Shlita. He was saying that isn't it interesting that the fulfillment of coming out of bondage and being brought into everlasting freedom is symbolized in Pesach to Sukkot. That we start off in our own house eating unleavened bread and we end up being in our new house, which is with Hashem, eating bread. That's Pesach to Sukkot. And just from this Zohar drop here, it's saying that one is dependent on the other. So if you think about what we're talking about, if you really want to be redeemed, if you're really talking salvation, you're talking atonement and you're also talking uh, joy. Because the week of unleavened bread is known as the time of our freedom. And the week of Sukkot is known as the season of our joy. So the season of our freedom and the season of our joy are intricately connected. And they span the calendar by about six months. And when you're looking even at everything from a astrological standpoint known as the constellations both of these constellations are linked even in the heavenlies so if if you're looking at the constellation for the month of nisan that's going to be above the horizon and beneath the horizon which we can't see but if you were able to have like superman x-ray vision you'd be able to see below the horizon is the constellation of tishrei so Nissan's on top, Tishrei's on bottom. And then when we get to Tishrei, it'll flip. Tishrei's on top, Nissan's on bottom. So even in the heavenlies, the revealed and the concealed are linked together, which is why understanding the Messiah, Yeshua, our King, he is Mashiach ben Yosef revealed, and we're waiting for him to be revealed as Mashiach ben David because he's currently concealed. And that all started with the 40th day of the Omer where he was taken up in the clouds. We got to experience 40 days of Mashiach ben David, the fullness of the resurrection and the life and uh, the new body that we're going to have. We got to see that before our eyes for 40 days. So while we're in these first 40 days of the Omer, we need to be understanding that and take that Kedusha into our very being and understand 
the the resurrection and the life and the redemption is literally set before us. Behold, I set Adonai before you, you know, kind of thing. So that's first at the gate. That's super important. So Akare Mot, we're starting out with what happened at in the middle of the Torah portion of Shemini. And now we're going to pick up with the follow-up of that because now we're getting into Yom Kippur and we're getting into the Korban Note and we're getting into, you know, the kosher slaughter process and things like that. So that's the first thing. So one of the things I wrote down in my notes says the 10th of each month plays out on the 15th into eight days. So the 10th of Nisan culminates in the 15th of Nisan, which is where we're actually eating that lamb and actually benefiting from the slaughter of that lamb. So we're entering into freedom through our mouth. That's pretty ridiculous. But anyway, so the 10th of Nisan, Pesach starts on the 15th of Nisan, and then we go into the eight days, but there's a gap we we go through the seventh day of Pesach and we're already in the middle of counting the Yomer and we're waiting on Shavuot, which will be the eighth day. Now, on the month of Tishrei, we have the tenth of Tishrei, which is Yom Kippur, and we're also experiencing freedom through our mouth, but this time we're not eating. This time we're fasting. And as we're fasting, we're actually eating. Why? Because how many prayers do we recite on Yom Kippur? So the literal eat my flesh and drink my blood in the physical sense is literally happening on Yom Kippur. Because what is the flesh and the blood of the Messiah? The flesh, the outer, the revealed, that's the written Torah. Okay, and all the prayers that we're praying are based off of verses in the written Torah and the Tanakh. And then the reason and the way that we go about doing the service is actually the blood of the Messiah that we're drinking because we're wearing all white. We're not wearing leather. We're abstaining from sexual relations. We are not uh, anointing ourselves with oils. However, we are allowed to smell them, you know, and um we're wearing all white. We're wearing, um, you know, the, the gentlemen are wearing their kittle, you know, who are married. And then, by the way, the one young toe we wear our tallit at night. What? No matter who you are, the chazan always wears his tallit anytime we're praying. But if you're not the chazan, you don't wear your tallit unless it's daytime. If it's daytime... You wear your tallit. If it's nighttime, no tallit. Yom Kippur, nighttime, everybody wearing their tallit. So this is part of the, I mean, and I can continue to go on, but I just want you to know that the words that we're reciting and the actions that we're doing is actually us partaking of the flesh and the blood of the Messiah in the spiritual sense. Just like in Pesach and the week of unleavened bread, we're partaking of the physical flesh and blood of the Mashiach through Today, since we don't have a temple, the Afikomen and the Four Cups. So, you know, when we get the temple back, the, instead of the Afikomen being matzah, we'll be having literally the lamb. 
You know, there's there's two lambs that we actually have on Pesach. One is for the actual Pesach and one's for the actual Hagiga, the actual festival lamb. And they could also be two goats or one could be lamb, one could be goat or, you know, one could be goat, one could be lamb. This is the same dinner that Yaakov fed to his father Yitzhak. And while I'm on this tip, I actually want to shout out to Eshet Sakota, our Spider Woman Avenger. She and her violent self was citing from what's called the 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 weekly parsha. So let me go ahead and pull this up because I was just like, girl, you crazy. So she said, these are insights from the Midrash Rabbah Bereshit 67.2 and Targum Yonatan 27.25. So this is a drop from Eshet Sakota Shlita. So she says, Yitzhak's meal before he blessed Yaakov was extraordinary as and shows us Hashem's favor in blessing Yaakov. Even wine even the wine was from Gan Eden. So here it is. Fascinating facts. Imagine eating something like this. The first spoonful tastes like sushi. The second, like barbecued steak. The third, like chocolate cake. Every spoonful tastes like something different. It would be the best meal ever. That was the kind of meal Yitzhak had. When he ate Yaakov's food. Yaakov's food. Who is Yaakov? The patriarch from which the 12 tribes descended. So the culmination of the 12 tribes. Yes, I'm talking about the Jews. That's the food that was given to the father that tasted like what the manna would be. What am I saying? That if you receive food from the children of Israel, you're going to have the best meal ever. So in other words, are we eating or are we not eating the food prepared for us by our forefathers? Because if we are anti-Torah, anti-observance, anti-walking in holiness and things like that, then we are rejecting the meal that would be beneficial to us nonetheless who else is going to feed you like this you know the whole thing again about the what's going to happen in revelation when the new jerusalem comes the the rivers that are going to burst forth from jerusalem and the temple and they're going to flood out and go all different directions and create all these trees that are going to have fruit that are so abundant and that are going to nourish us you know, and the leaves are going to heal those who are not a part of Judaism and, and bring them into covenant uh, because it says that the leaves will heal the nations. That's what that verse says. So if you think about that, what, what other nation, what other God has done anything like that on the global scale? So say La, because that's the meal of Yaakov. That's that's how we roll as Jews. That's the kind of food we prepare. So if you're upset with your dinner, it's only because you're not investing in it. 
because if you remember when we ate the manna, it tasted like whatever we wanted it to taste like. So you got to think about the implications of that when it comes to what we're eating from our patriarchs. What do we want as we're eating this? If you eat the Torah, if you eat spirituality, divine consciousness of Hashem, but you are not satisfied with it, then you have to stop, think about it, and figure out what exactly it is that you're desiring. Because whatever you need is right before you, and there the the lack and the um the dissatisfaction is not on Hashem, it's not on the Jewish nation, it's actually upon the individual who is receiving it. So, you know, this is kind of the thing we have to think about in our observance that, you know, if we're dissatisfied with our walk, we gotta work that out in ourselves. We need self reconciliation. It's not anybody else's fault. It's not leadership's fault. It's our own fault. So that's what we have to remember. So going on, it says the food was like the man, which is how you actually say manna in Hebrew. So manna in Hebrew is man. And it says it tasted like any food that Yitzhak wanted to taste. It was the best meal he ever had. It goes on to say questions anyone? Where did Yaakov get the wine he served his father? Well, it says an angel brought the very special wine. It was more than 2,000 years old. It was made from grapes that Hashem created when he made the world. He's drinking Hashem created wine. That's just absolutely ridiculous, by the way. And I want to point out, again, this is from Eshet Sakota Shlita, sourcing out the weekly parashah for Toldot and uh, the Midrash of Babar Sheet 67.2 and Targum Yonatan 27.25. This is, like, incredible because it's letting us know what we have access to. That... As Yehudim, we have access to supernatural stuff. But we don't have access to supernatural stuff so that we can be cool and be like, oh, look at what look at this magic trick. But it's literally for the sake of being good stewards to creation and serving Hashem and bringing God's glory into the world. Yaakov wasn't hooked up with all this stuff because Yaakov was like, I'm going to show my father. Side note, Yaakov wasn't even aware of this position until his mother, Rivka, was like, Hey, son, go get two goats for me, please. And I'm going to go get the, the special clothes that Adam or that Hashem made for Adam and Hava. And I'm going to put them on you. And then I need you to go take this meal before your father. And one of the angels from Shemaim that Hashem sent was like, Here, Hashem also said to take this with you, too. So here Yaakov is just for the sake of heaven. He's focused on living for God. And all of a sudden it's like, here, here's some new clothes. Here's this delicious meal. Here's this amazing wine. Go feed your father so you can receive blessings. Do you realize that is the case for us? When we look at Akare Mok Kedoshim, if we are willing to die to ourselves, which is Akare Mok, 
after the death, after we die to ourselves, then Kedoshim, holiness will descend upon us. We're just thinking, Hashem, I'm, I'm nothing. I, I'm just like the Talmudim with five loaves and two fish. I have no idea how thousands of people are going to get fed. Or, Hashem, I have no idea how I'm going to serve you in spirit and truth. I don't know anything. I thought I knew what I knew, and then I realized this wasn't true. You know, I've come from this faith. I've come from this family. I've come from this uh, struggle. I've come from this past. I've come from this future. Yeah, that's right. Some of us feel like we came from the future. But anyway, Hashem is like, just here, take this. Take that. All right, here you go. Here's this. Oh, by the way, you, you forgot this. Okay, here you go. And that's it. That's what literally why we walk by Imuna and not by Re'e. We don't walk by what we can see provided for us. We walk by what we believe will be provided for us in the merit of faithfulness. Because Abraham, in the merit of his faithfulness, was actually given righteousness. Abraham believed and Hashem accredited to him as righteousness. That's the whole goal of what we do. And we that's why I keep saying we can bring the redemption. We can stir Hashem's heart to send the Mashiach. But if we don't think we can, then we won't. And if we're not asking, then we won't. So it starts there. And as we continue to walk, if we walk like we're redeemed already, if we begin to operate in a Mashiach is here mentality, there you go. What does that look like? And that's why we study the Torah portions, because that's actualizing the Mashiach in creation. That's why we study the Torah, because we're actualizing the Mashiach in creation. That's why we're studying Torah, because we're actualizing the Mashiach in creation. Yeah, I repeated that twice, because or three times, because that's, that's what that is. Though Mashiach is not physically seen and present with us, if we are ourselves manifesting out Mashiach's essence, which is the Torah, you talk about Moses bringing the bones of Yosef with us as we left Egypt. Well, guess what? The bones of Yeshua is with us, even though they're not in the grave, because how are you going to put eternal life and resurrection in a grave that just doesn't work out? The grave's like, sorry, you don't belong here because uh, I'm death and you're life. And therefore, uh, I have no control over you. You actually created me and I didn't create you. And it's just like, yeah, you're welcome. But anyway, we have again, cause the word for bones is the same words as essence. So the essence of Mashiach is the Torah. So if we carry the essence of Mashiach with us, then we're doing the same thing we did when we left Egypt, but on a even higher level, because remember the final redemption is like the first redemption, but it's on a greater level. So there'll be more plagues. There'll actually be more miracles. There'll actually be more Yeshua's than we had when we left Egypt. And such it is that we have to die to ourselves first. We have to be at a place where we realize we don't know it all. We have to be at a place where we realize I can't have it my way. We have to be at a place where we realize Hashem, you are the master of creation. From the greatest of the worlds to the lowest of the worlds, you are God. And if we can get to that point and operate in that, you talk about to infinity and beyond. That's what that is. Let's go back to uh, Parashah Medzora. This guy or girl 
was afflicted with a spiritual malady, a affliction, a disease. And it caused this person to have to be in quarantine. And it was a, a, a literal forced selah, like pause and calmly think about this. <laughs> because you're by yourself right now. You have no distractions. You have no excuses to figure out what is out of whack in your life. And you're sitting there and you're realizing, okay, and then as was brought down by the Midrash Rabbah, Vayikra and Parashat Medzora, and again, that, that was cited and brought to my attention by Shimon, or Shimon, I keep wanting to call him Shimon, but Shimon Bauer Shlita of Sarshalom Tulsa. Shouts out to him. By the way, I just want to speak directly to you for a moment. Ahi, I am very, very impressed with you. Yasha Koak and all your studies and stepping up and you and your wife and your family leading a whole community of Lapidniks in Tulsa. Hashem bless y'all so much for that. May this month just be an overwhelming increase of Kedusha, of healing, of Simka, of Yeshua, and of just all sorts of light of the world to come, just to to fill your hearts, your homes, your communities, your space, your city, and bringing Mashiach, King Yehidatzon. Because I'm 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 really thankful for y'all, and I'm glad that I get the opportunity to be in the same community, and that y'all have been such a a wonderful addition to the family. So Brugashem, keep bringing it. But anyway, he was bringing this up that. In the Midrash Rabbah, for Parshat Medzora, it says, why is the Medzora in quarantine for seven days for the affliction of Zarat? Because Zarat comes upon a person for the sevenfold sins, and then each day of that week, he's rectifying each of those sins, which, by the way, is what we're doing when we count the Elmer. We're rectifying each of our midot, our uh, sephirot of the emotional makeup of mankind. There are seven of them, and each of those seven have a seven. So it takes a week for chesed. It takes a week for gevurah, and so on and so forth. But anyway, so like the Medzora, they have those seven sins that they're rectifying, and it takes seven days to do it, one day for each of the seven sins. And then by the eighth day, he's back in front of the Kohen and the Kohen gets to re-examine and see if the person is cured. And if that person has been stirred to repentance, which is what the goal was for the quarantine. So why is the whole entire world mostly in quarantine? Because Hashem wants us to realize, repent, repent, change your ways. Every day that you're in quarantine, rectify one of the sins in your life. You got plenty of time to ask me to show you. You got plenty of time to get to know me. And that's what's going on. So anyway, the whole thing about the Medzora outside the camp in quarantine, seven days, get to come back. Okay, so when that person comes back, there's a a purification process. And then I brought this down in last week's podcast uh, from the Torah Avigdor is the source on this. And it was saying this Medzora... Well, now that they're pronounced clean and they have to go through the purification process, they have to go find one of the greatest in the vegetation kingdom, which is the cedar. And they got to go find one of the lowliest, which is the hyssop, which looks almost like moss. So they're going to go find a branch of a cedar tree and 
basically, for lack of a better term, this lowly moss. They're going to bring that together with other elements, but that point there is from the greatest to the least, this Metzora has to unify it. Just like Mashiach says, even to the least of these, you've done unto me. So whatever we do for those who are considered to be the least of them, people who are homeless, people who are in prison, people who are naked, orphans, widows, you know, people like that, those are considered to be people that when we minister to them, we're ministering to Mashiach, we're ministering to the Torah, we're ministering to the Spirit of God, we're ministering to Hashem Himself. Because that's that's the connection. And so when we think about from the highest of worlds to the lowest of worlds, that is that's the picture and that is the point that Hashem wants to bring down for us that we have to span that whole gap. So we can consider to be associated with the greatest and we can consider ourselves to be associated with the lowliest. And when you think about what that does to humility, I mean, come on, can we preach it? Because there is no room for arrogance at that point. You can't go, oh, I'm hanging out with the rich people. I'm in the penthouse this week. And then, oh, I'm in a, a shanty little uh, cardboard box with a person who stinks. No, you, you don't you don't have any kind of leeway in that. You are just so grateful and you're so thankful to Hashem that you get to be associated from the highest to the lowest and that you're even allowed to exist, that you're even allowed to be able to have the ability to do what you're doing. So, again, if we don't die to ourselves, that is not available to us. So when we look at the death of Nadab and Avihu with all the different facets that it, that that presents to us, remember, let's go back to the definition of Nadav and Avihu. Nadav means to freely offer, and Avihu means my father is he. So my father is he who freely offers. That's what we need to emulate. We need to emulate our father who freely offers himself. We need to freely offer ourselves. So that we don't look down on people and we don't also look up at people. But we look at people face to face, eye to eye, level, humble, and encouraging. This is why the letters of Shaul are so filled with living in harmony, esteeming others, loving others as you love yourself, and you know, and things like that, because that is the goal. That's what Mashiach offered himself for. He said, Now you go doing like go do likewise. Go do greater things than this. You you realize that the kingdom sees the greatest thing is when a person is transformed from death into life. A person who was like, I hate Torah. I hate I hate kosher eating. I, I hate Hashem. That very same person when they become Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kavod, Makuto Le'olam Vayed, for everything. That right there is considered to be greater than parting the sea, greater than lifting up a mountain that's smoking it on fire with Hashem shofar blesh sounding from it. That's greater than all 10 plagues that were in Egypt. That's greater than Shlomo building the temple. Is that right there? And that's what our goal is. That's what our aim is because. 
we have to realize that every human being on this earth has that potential, no matter where they are. For those of us who are praising Hashem, it's nothing compared to what we could be if we continue forth into Shuva. And then for those of us who are not praising Hashem, that's nothing compared to what Hashem can bring you to and bring you through to be at a place that you would never imagine. Because I can, I can tell you from my personal experience, talking about myself, you tell me I was going to be Shomer Man and be a goodbye and my father was going to be Rabbi Mordecai Griffin, Shlita, and then I was going to be able to do all these podcasts and study the Hebrew and Gematria and Torah and Talmud and Halakha and Agada and Mishnah and all that. You tell me I was going to be doing that, you know, not even 10 years ago. Man, I would have told you, you smoking crack. Don't ever come at me like that. I will judo chop you or judy chop you you know like for real that's what that's the real business that's that's what's up that's word to your mother okay but that's that's the power and the miracle of Hashem but if we're not dying to ourselves, and if we're not allowing the holiness of Hashem to settle upon us then you can throw all of this out the window as they say in the mafia forget about it so that's first. I want to bring up uh, Matthew 25, 1 through 12, because this is that parable of the 10 virgins. And this is, again, just another point to understanding as we're spanning, you know, our redemption and atonement and our ultimate freedom and waiting on the Mashiach because we don't know when he's going to get here. But Torah observant teaches us to be ready at all times. This is why Shaul wrote to the Thessalonians that, you know, the day of Hashem is going to come like a thief in the night, but not for you because you're aware of the times and the season. So though we don't know when, when Hashem is going to send Mashiach, guess what? If we're aware of the times and the season, we're going to be like these 10 virgins. We're going to have so much oil, so much oil in our lamp. That it's going to be like, well, looks like uh, he didn't show up today. All right, let's pour some more oil back in the lamp. You know, and the, the lantern is going to continue to burn. And by the way, the word for the lamp used in this passage literally comes from the Hebrew word lapid. So lapid is all about no matter how long it takes, we got oil for, for all time. In the words of Captain America... I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love that they tacked that on in the end game. It just made a full circle for everything. But literally, as the Pedniks, the fire that we have is like the fire that's on the altar. It never goes out. We got oil. And when the oil goes all the way down, we got more oil. We're like Hanukkah, 24-7, 365. Man, that lamp, that lamp ain't never going out. Because Why? Because if we're dying to ourselves and allowing the holiness of Hashem to settle upon us, it can't go out. It's impossible. I guarantee you that if we're trusting Hashem, if we're making Teshuvah on Teshuvah, if we're constantly waiting for the Mashiach, constantly filling up on mitzvah prayer and acts of kindness, I, get, I know it's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. How can I say this without... Uh, any kind of hesitation or any kind of uncertainty. I can say it because 
one of our prayers that we say every week, it says, trust in Adonai, then Adonai will be your security. We say that in our prayers. That is actually a verse of scripture that I'm not going to look up right now because I still haven't even read Matthew 25. But just know that, believe that, trust that, and hopefully you love that. And it just brings so much shalom because you won't be caught off guard when the Mashiach's coming because you're always expecting him. Even if it takes three days, even if it takes 40 years, or chasve shalom longer. Either way, we ready. And either way, we calling out to Hashem, please send Mashiach now. But we got to mean it and we got to live like it and not live like it for the sake of the final redemption, because we don't want Mashiach to come so that we don't have to ever go to work again and stop dying. We want Mashiach to come because we want to be with Hashem. That's it. We want Hashem in the world. We want creation to stop suffering. You know, this is a global thing. This is not just for Jews. This is so far beyond just Jews and religions have taught so poorly over the past 2,000 years and divided up mankind into all these crazy little uh, psycho groups of Kool-Aid lovers. And it's like, we got to quit that. I mean, so much damage is being done because all of us realize that there's something that we are really, like, it's beyond physicality that we tap into. You know, like, we, every person in the world has something that they are just like, I don't know what it is, can't really explain it, but I'm just really into this and this really just, this really gets my attention. And there's a spiritual root to that that leads back to Hashem and that's why that person was created and that's why that person was created that way. So we have to give each other that space because again, to talk about the Vav that I've been trying to explain, hopefully it's been coming across, but if it hasn't, this is the point that the Vav brings together people who are unique and binds them to one another. So if you have a person who is a dancer, they come together with a person who's a singer. They come together with a person who's a poet. They come together with a person who's a doctor. They come together with a person who's a plumber. They come together with a person who's a teacher. They come together with, I mean, you name it. Whether they're white, black, red, yellow, blue, purple, uh, fuchsia, any of those colors. The Vav brings that all together. And what letter is the Hebrew letter where the Vav is the central aspect of that letter? And there are other letters that surround it that are bound together. That's right, the letter Aleph. No matter how high you are, no matter how low you are, but you're bound together through the Vav because there's a Yod on the top and a Yod on the bottom. <clears throat> and that connects all these separate letters into one. And that letter represents Hashem. The ultimate Gematria, or not the ultimate, but the Gematria of Yod, Yod, Vav is 26, which is Hashem, which is the letter Aleph. So this month, of ER that we're in, in this tour portion of Akari Mo Kedoshim, that's what this is all about, right from the gate. And everybody's counting the Omer, so guess what? If you're an Omer counter, you and I are, are one. Yeah. 
And whoever else is counting the Omer, you're one with that person too. You literally have become bound together through the Omer, which, by the way, is bundles of grain that's being waved and shaken before Hashem. So we're literally all doing the Jerusalem shake, the the Yerushalayim shake, if you will. Not the Harlem shake, but the Yerushalayim shake. We're all doing that before Hashem right now, taking off the old, putting on the new. So Matthew 25, 12 verses. Then the kingdom of Shemaim will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the, the bridegroom. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Uh, one of the passages, I believe it's in Jeremiah, it says that uh, ten, ten men will grab onto the, the zitzit of a Jewish man. And here we go, we have ten virgins over here. Anyway, uh, that's going to haunt me if I don't source it out. Stand by. Uh, ten men, here we go. It is from... Zechariah. Okay, Brugashem. Zechariah, Zechariah is the Hebrew. 8.23. This is what Adonai Zevaot says. In those days, ten men from different nations and languages of the world will grab a hold of the zitzit of one Yehudi. Okay. Zechariah 8.23. Thank you, Hashem. So the ten virgins taking their lamps and they're waiting to go meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. Five of them were wise. So we're now at a 50-50 picture here. So we got to choose our side. Are we going to be foolish or are we going to be wise with our lamps? For when the foolish ones took their lamps, they took no oil. Oh, Mashiach will come back. I mean, he's going to be here. I don't need to really have extra oil. I don't really need to load myself up with stuff. And besides, you know, um, whatever the oil represents, I mean, it's not really important. I got a lamp. So the bridegroom surely has oil, surely has another lamp why don't i just take his lamp when he when he offers it to me you know or you know i'll just i'll just trust in the lord that he'll provide he's my provider no that's not a good not a good plan as uh shomer man told loki <laughs> not a good plan okay so the wise ones it says but the wise ones took oil and jars along with them. So not only do we got lamps filled with oils, but we got jars of oil so that when these lamps go out, we can refill them. Side note, when the blessing of Hashem is provided, like, you know, five loaves, two fish, or the widow who was like, I just got enough oil to make another cake to feed myself and my son. Then we're going to die. Or 
the the one widow who needed to pay off a whole bunch of debt and the prophet showed up and was like go get some jars and again the hanukkah miracle we had one cruise of oil left that was undefiled and we knew that the the lamp was only going to burn for one night but yet hashem was like oh well you trusted me to burn for one night, so I'm just gonna go ahead and light up the rest until you get until you can get some more. This is the point of bringing along extra jars with us, that even if we run out of our extra provisions because we planned ahead and because we trusted Hashem, that you know we would be able to have enough oil because we brought extra supply. Hashem's like, even if your extra supply runs out, we we got you. As long as you got jars, we can fill them up. As long as you got fish and loaves, we can duplicate it. As long as Abraham brings Yitzhak to the mountain, the ram from before creation will actually jump up on that altar instead of your son. But if you're not willing to put your son on the altar, then the ram is not going to be uh, set free to come and offer himself. The, the sacrifice and the, the resurrection of the Messiah is of no avail to us if we're not people who go, hold up. I need to stop doing this rebellion thing and get with Hashem's kingdom. Because trusting that Hashem has redeemed us and saved us, but yet we don't walk in that redemption and that salvation which means Torah observance, conversion, teshuva, repentance, tzedakah, chesed, and all that, all that good stuff, humility. If you ain't, if you ain't walking in that stuff, then you're just, you're doing the same thing the demons do, which believe and shudder. And that's it. Because there's no fruit coming from the tree, coming from the vine, and those branches get broke off and thrown into the fire. Those people stay outside the camp. Those people are the ones who are the five foolish ones that took no oil. And the next verse says, now, while the bridegroom was taking a long time, they all got drowsy and started falling asleep. But in the middle of the night, there was a shout. Look, the bridegroom come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their wicks now the foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil since our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, no, there won't be enough for us and for you. Instead, go to those who sell and buy some for yourselves. But while they were going off to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, which, by the way, is represented by the festival of Sukkot. Sukkot. And the door was shut. There's a festival called Yom Kippur. We have a service called the Ne'elah, which is the closing of the gates. That happens on Yom Kippur. That's the very last thing, and there's a big call to repentance as we're closing the ark to end Yom Kippur with a great shofar blast. So here's your Sukkot Yom Kippur connection right here. And it says, Now later, 
The other virgins came saying, Sir, sir. They came saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he replied, depart from me. I never knew you. No. What does the verse say? I mean, I tell you, I do not know you. Oh, my bad. That's what he said. You know, um, we have to not be too sure of our own selves. If we're following God and expecting to be in good standing with him and to truly be righteous before him and that, oh, yeah, everything's great. This is awesome. But if we have no basis for it, i.e., where, where is it sourced out in the word of God itself? Then you're basically doing what Shaul was talking about in Romans 10. And that's where I want to end here today, because um, as far as this segment of the podcasting goes, so there won't be a closing bracket because I'm just going to continue um, podcasting until until we're done today. So we'll see how that goes. Baruchashem. But if we say, Lord, Lord, calling him master, calling him Yeshua, calling him our salvation. But yet we're workers of lawlessness. We're anti-Torah, we're anti-Judaism, we're anti-Rabbinic stuff, we're anti-Oral Torah, Talmud. We think it's all sorcery and we think, oh, yeah, let's have other faiths and let's have, you know, different religions and let's let's not even use the Hebrew. Let's let's use other stuff. Then guess what? Romans 10 is written for you. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to Hashem for the Israelites is for their salvation. For I testify about them that they are zealous for God, but not on the basis of da'at, which is Torah. Because Torah, da'at, is the knowledge of Hashem. So if you're zealous for God, and it's not based on the Torah, here's verse 3. Because they were ignorant of God's righteousness and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. For Mashiach is the end of the law. The end of the Torah. To bring righteousness to everyone who believes. I want to follow that up with Sanhedrin 99a talking about all the prophets prophesied for only for the sake of the Messiah. Let's see here if I can pull that up real quick. Because I want to go back and, and make sure we understand that the, the Israelites that Shaul is talking about were people who claimed to be Jews they claim to be believers because that's what Jews are, believers. Jews are called believers and children of believers, by the way. Com people think commonly believers are known as Christians, but that could be further from the truth, like uh, as much as a circle is not a square. But anyway, um, these, these people who are believers, let's go ahead and just use the term believers. People who are believers, they're like, oh, yeah, we love God. God's amazing. But it's like, okay, so um, how are you living? What, what's your faith? What's your theology? Well, I don't believe in the Torah. I don't believe in the righteous standards that God has laid down for us. 
So I have no idea what an Akare moat is or a Kedashim. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's like, okay, so you're zealous for God and your own knowledge and righteousness is based not on God's righteousness. He was like, here, take this and live for me. And we're like, no, I, I'm going to take this over here and I'm going to live for you. And to go back to the Matrix, Morpheus offered Neo two pills. Neo couldn't go, I want the yellow pill. Neither could he say whatever the color is when you mix blue and red together for you color people out there. If y'all could uh, share that information. But if you mix blue and red, it's like, I want to take both because I, I want that color right there. It's like, no, you either take the blue or you take the red. You either take the Torah or you don't take it. Because you can't say that you're zealous for Hashem and you love Hashem and you don't accept his Torah. Because why? Because the Torah cannot be separate from Hashem. The Messiah cannot be separate from Hashem. The Spirit cannot be separate from Hashem. Hashem is Echad. And that is the biggest, biggest thing that trips up so many today because we're proclaiming a Messiah and the Jewish people who are in Torah are like, that's not kosher because you're thinking the Messiah is this completely different entity and you're praying to him and you're worshiping him. You put him before Hashem, not realizing that Hashem's right arm, you, it's like you can't sever Hashem's right arm. Hashem doesn't have an arm anyway, but, you know, for the sake of the image of the invisible, uh, yeah, that's basically what's been going on. So we have to realize that if we love Hashem, naturally we love the Torah. And if we follow Hashem and believe in the Mashiach, naturally we live by the Torah, a righteousness that's not our own. Yeah, that's right. The righteousness that is granted to us that is not our own. A holiness that is granted to us that is not our own. Yeah, that's right. That's called entering into covenant with Hashem. And to this point of the Messiah is the end of the Torah for us. Well, in Sanhedrin 99a, it says, Rabbi Hia Barabba says that Rabbi Yochanan says, in their prophecies with regard to the redemption and the end of days, with regard to the redemption and the end of days, all the prophets prophesied only about the Messianic era, but re with regard to the world to come, the reward is not quantifiable. As it states, no eye has seen it. God, aside from you, who will do for those who await him? Yeshayahu 64.3. The Gemara notes, and this statement disagrees with the opinion of Rob, or with the agreement of Shamuel. As Shamuel says, the difference between this world and the Messianic era is only with regard to servitude to the foreign kingdoms alone, as they will leave Eretz Yisrael. So there's other beautiful drops, but as you can see here, that the prophets only prophesied with regard to the end of the law, which is the Messiah. So getting to the redemption and getting to the final days before the messianic era that's what the torah and the prophets show us now the torah by the way is where the prophets get their message from so the prophets this is why when you read the haftarah 
that it usually, no, it does. It doesn't usually. That if you really study the Haftarah, it's like, oh, this is exactly the Torah portion. So it's like the Torah portion concealed is the, the prophets. Then when you read the Torah portions, Torah portion is just like open revelation. You're just like, what in the world? Like, you got to study it, though. And so you see that the Torah, I mean, that's even the Torah is concealing eternal things. Like we can read the Torah and we're like, oh, my God, his mind boggling. But in the Olam Haba, when the Mashiach is teaching us Torah, a.k.a. Memtet, a.k.a. Hashem teaching us Torah, it's going to be the same Torah that was given to Moses. And we're just going to be like, we're not even going to know what to do with ourselves. That's how amazing the Torah is. So when you really look at what this is saying, that the prophets, you know, are, are taking us to the Messiah. Like, that's the point, because Mashiach, when he returns, that's when the transition is going to happen. That's when the Torah is going to go back to its primordial form, that black fire on white fire that was before Hashem, that Moshe was reading when he was talking to the angels. That Torah that was handed down directly to Adam, all the way down to Noah, and straight over to Abraham. Like, yeah, that kind of stuff. Because Abraham learned Torah from Noah. So, the end of the, the law is not this whole, like, yeah, it's gone away. It's like, nope, that's the end of this epoch of time. Life as we currently know it, with all the exiles and all that kind of stuff, that to that point, that's what the prophets, the prophets have prophesied. So, that gets us to the Mashiach. Because once this all ends, once the final redemption ends, there's a whole brand new, well, it's not brand new, but to a Jew, brand new is renewal. So the Torah is going to be renewed. We're going to be renewed in our resurrection form, Bezrat Hashem. And that's just that. So first step of everything is about dying to ourself so that the righteousness, the holiness, and the shalom of Hashem will rest and settle in upon us. May it be so. And may we continue forth in uh, trusting Hashem beyond our own understanding.